And so I said, if I'm going to be able to help black patients, and I was interested in helping every patient that came in front of me, but my assignment from home is help your community. So racism was always in the history in terms of black people's experiences. And so I said, I've got to understand more about racism. When I was an undergraduate, I went to Antioch College in Yellow Springs, Ohio. Integration then meant one black girl in the class. I used to think I was a Marxist. And I remember going home, sitting in the dining room, family sitting down. My grandmother was there with her, my father's mother. And I just announced, I'm a Marxist. And my grandmother said, the more education they get, the dumber they get. But in my pursuit of helping black patients and having to, needing to understand racism, because that was what was in their history. And any of you who have the book, The ISIS Papers, The Keys to the Colors actually came from a black man who was a patient, an emergency patient at the hospital, at DC General Hospital Psychiatry Section. And this man, their clinic wasn't busy that night. And so I interviewed him. I wrote a diagnosis of schizophrenic reaction paranoid type. Since there were not a lot of patients to be seen, I said, let me sit down and talk further to this man and see if I can understand what actually is he saying. And so I talked to him for a long time. I wasn't understanding everything that he said. But in the end, he was a tall, black-skinned man. He had a black pants and a white shirt. And he said, Doc, if we could just find the keys to the colors. So that is the subtitle of my book that came from this patient. So I went further knowing that I needed to understand racism beyond what Karl Marx thought he understood. And I was at a Black Power Committee meeting in Washington, D.C. And after the meeting, people went to somebody's apartment, sitting down on the floor, eating African food. And I heard a black man, because there were black people there, I heard a black man on the other side of the room say, racism is a system. Now you all repeat after me. Racism is a system. Now interestingly, last week, the Attorney General Eric Holder, if you remember several years ago, when he made a profound statement as the first black Attorney General, he said, are we a nation of cowards being unable to talk about racism? How many of you remember his saying that? Now that was courageous and that was profound. This past week, the Attorney General, in commenting on the interview with Donald Sterling, everybody familiar with that? is systemic. It's beyond the ignorant comment yeah. of racism. He said it's systemic. And I hope he got that from me.
And the last paper I gave at the National Medical Association in Toronto last July. I used to say racism was the number one mental health problem. In that paper, I said the denial of racism is the number one Yep. We have been reduced to a place where the young people say to read, you're acting white. <laughs> That's just how long we have been turned around. But I said, why would people on this planet develop a particular system of racism, white supremacy? Mr. Fuller said that the power equation of the system is white power over a relative non-white powerlessness. So my question was why? See, a psychiatry, my type of psychiatry. Like, why means getting down to the causation. That's why little children, little children two years old, that's not why. Are you all with me? 
learning to elevate our understanding. For example, when we were enslaved Africans, we had chains on and we thought if they would just remove the chains, right. everything was going to be okay. Right. But they replaced the chains with law. Mm -hmm. And so we thought that the problem 50 years ago was solved. That we had the laws changed. But 50 and 60 years later, we find that they are taking us back. Yep.
this reality. See, in psychiatry, when people don't want to face reality, uh -oh. they become what? Well, it's a five letter word, I think it's C R A Z. <laughs> Observe. And observe play. Yeah. 
children play with, what they are concerned about, and what they are upset about. Okay, so where do the white laws go? Well, what game is played by the most powerful white men?
she talking about the baseball bat. I believe. Front view of male genitalia, lateral view. If you turn it around 90 degrees, you have this. <coughs> what does it look like? A gun. Yeah. <laughs> and what is the gun called? A weapon. A great equalizer. Speeding along. Are you with me? Yeah. In other She's words, black man has genitals that can annihilate white. Yep. So then the brain computer says, must create weapon, can't you say thing? Sister, man. And it's called a gun. All right. So a black man becomes president of the United States for the first time. And then they have what is called, what they call, what class? Turn off that music. <laughs> the Obama effect. And the Obama effect was all the white people going out and buy all the possible guns that they could get. Right. 
grandfather was chairman of the deacon and trustee board of Alvin Baptist Church of Chicago for 35 years. <laughs> now we were in Sunday school and church before your eyes could see straight. I'm not knocking against that religion. I'm talking about a system that has completely overwhelmed us, causing us to hate each other, hate ourselves, and to ask what's happening. So, I don't know how many of you remember Sunday School Card of Jesus at Epson with white robe and purple. images can be. Because in our house, we had a pantry. It was a room. And it had big shelves at the bottom. You know, and the food was stored on the shelf. On the bottom shelf, the biggest shelf, there was a big box of Quaker homes. And I remember standing, looking up, so I wasn't the height I am now. Looking up and looking at the man on the Quaker Oats box. And I didn't have any discussion with my parents. I didn't need to. I said, I guess that's God. <laughs> it's an old image of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Cutting up your body, bleaching your skin. You worship. 
kept <sighs> the fact that the slave master raped the great grandfather. Are you all with us? Do we need to do another hug <laughs> so we can talk about difficult subjects? That's magic. I say that self-respect 
is more powerful than a nuclear weapon. That's it. See, self-respect. How you relate to self and see self. Because I tell people, if I went in a laboratory and created three pills, the first pill you take on Monday, well, not on Memorial Day, take it And you will be white on Wednesday. <laughs> Take the second pill on Wednesday, and you will have long straight <laughs> <laughs> And take the third pill from the third and it will give you so-called white features. And so I put my pills on eBay. And I become the wealthiest person in the world. Because all of the people on the planet, the nine chimps, have been exposed to white supremacy. And they all have color sickness and feature sickness. Do you all understand? Now, sometimes white people have said to me, well, Dr. Wellesley, you say that we're only one tenth and you all, colored people, are nine tenths. So how is it that we control the nine tenths? And I say, well, could be you're genetically superior in terms of intelligence. It's a possibility. I say, but I don't think that. <laughs> what I do think is that your one tenth has been successful in brainwashing the nine-tenths. And so then the most of the nine-tenths, eight-tenths of the nine-tenths have gone over to support here. See, just simply by hating black and being negative towards yourself and towards each other. So that gives power to the one-tenth. So with the help of the non-white majority that we have, you can say, defaulted, weakened what could be a force for justice on the planet. So again, what do we choose to do? That's it. Neely Fuller has some exercises in his book. He called them exercises of counter-racism. And very basic. They're so simple that people can't see the power. I got to stop it right here and start another segment. But I hope you guys are enjoying listening to this young lady. This is, uh, once again, Dr. Francis Cress Wellsing. And um, I'm going to continue on. She's got about six more minutes on this one. And I don't really want to run out of time. So I'm going to create another segment so that everything else can finish out taping. The videos are playing one after another. So if you hear a pause in between um, each time she speaks. That means that's the end of one video and another one is beginning. So, all right, I'll be right back with another segment. Okay, here is the uh, remainder of part eight. And like I said, she'll go on and um, talk. And when you hear a pause, a break, that's it going from one video to another. You also hear me typing. I apologize, but I've got to do some things. Um, so enjoy listening. And so it's like, stop name calling one another. 
stop gossiping about one another. Stop squabbling. With one another. Stop cursing one another. Stop snitching on one another for a personal gain. See, that's how the plantation was run. Children were being sold away from their parents. 
one side, yes. that we all have to see what is the goal of people. We have to understand that we have a system that has corrupted our respect for ourselves and our respect for one another. So that we're all in a state of healing. You see, but nobody can make somebody else do something. The person you can make is the one who brushes your teeth in the morning. You can talk about it, but the one that you can really transform is yourself. That's right. I'm selecting one of these things to deal with. I, for example, I have people coming to me and they're talking about what goes on in their church. And people are squabbling and gossiping and they calling each other. So we have everything to gain. And this is just getting on. This is baby steps. Okay. Thank you. Oh, thank you. My name is Laura Jamar. He's a hip hop artist who speaks out um, about the um, nationalization of black men in the media and putting uh, hip-hop artists, young black uh, actors and stuff like this in dresses and demanding that uh, black men as a, as a passing threshold to a certain amount of financial success dress as women are, are okay with um, gender bending and I really just want to hear your thoughts on this subject and hip-hop always you know, came on the scene as an unapologetic are kind of rooted in a, in a very macho uh, positioning. So it, there's a lot going on in, in the um, in the stuff. I just want to hear your thoughts about it. That's all. Yes. See, let me just say, I remember writing an article in Ebony Magazine back in the 70s and focusing on Cliff Wilson and Geraldine. But what you have to understand is that if black masculinity is destroyed, then white genetic survival as a problem is solved. That's right. That's right. You see, so if they can transform black masculinity into femininity, whether you do it by taking fathers out of the home. Right. So male children only see auntie, grandmother, right. sister. You see, they don't see a male image to follow. That's it. But the system, see, we got to look at the total power context and what the system has in mind for us. See, we think I'm doing my own thing. See, the power system is controlling everything that we do 24 7. That's it. You see, it used to be a TV that was in the living room. Now everybody is carrying it around. Addicted to looking at the next message. That's it. That the system has for black people. Yeah. You see, so in other words, it's understanding what is our goal objective. That's like on the black side of the chessboard. The black side of the chessboard has to have this goal objective. It can't run over someplace else and do its own thing. Racism, white supremacy controls the planet. That's right. So you try to get someplace and not have an airplane ticket. Okay. You see, or a boat ticket. Okay. No, the system controls everything. But by understanding it and having counter behavior, the system can be broken.
play. My concept about spirituality is that we have a connection to Direct. the creative force. Direct connection. But if I hate myself, mm. right. if I hate black, it's just like me having an antenna that's tipped over to the side. Right, or broken off. Mm. I mean, why would I be in touch with the creative force if I hate the way I look? Right. Of injustice can be turned around. It can be. It can be, but who's willing to put in the work? Who's willing to sacrifice themselves? Who's willing to um, put themselves out there? And I'm seeing a lot of people that are willing to do so, but nobody is out there in the public, actually, in the streets changing anything it's a lot of talking on the internet it's a lot of from what i see but the way white supremacy works is that we can't get out there in the streets because they've shown us if you get out there in them streets if you gather together in groups we're gonna get y'all now we're gonna get you niggas so this is what we have to remember the uh when she was creating that list of things that um, Dr. Claude Anderson said that we need to stop doing as black people. And I love it because the name calling, gossiping, and squabbling um, is a part of what I would say comedy. They hide these few these things in comedy. Um, the snitching, uh down personal gain snitching for personal gain that's hidden within comedy um discourteous disrespectful that's hidden within comedy um fighting you saw with chris rock you know and and uh will smith um we believe hold on one second is where the oh, action is okay. with FanDuel casino uh, turn that i'm just trying to play one of michael's songs um, the, so I I think that white supremacy has found a lot of ways to inject their poison into our communities, into our black communities, into our black psyche. Um, I'm going to do more series on black people that actually are speaking the truth, um, and that are educating and I'm going to call my series Hello. Um, what we do around my house, my son and I, we play with each other. And he'll say, hello, hello, hello. And I'll be like, hello, hello. You know, just kind of like, are you listening? Do you hear me? You know, hey. And then we'll give each other a greeting. So I'm going to call this series Hello. Um, I don't want to call it anything other than that because if I do... You know, alert some people to come and listen to what I have to say. And I really want to deter that. Um, this conversation or this information is not for anybody else but my people. Unfortunately, I don't know how to get in touch with my people on a global scale. So I have to start here first. I told you I plan on expanding. Um, expanding myself. And um, let me see. Yeah, so I got some personal things to do around the house for right now, and um, I'm going to let you all go. I want you to finish listening to um, They Don't Care About Us, the prison version. Um, I think this one is the most important one. Um, This is the first of the two that Michael Jackson did, and... um, He's not appreciated enough as a civil rights leader and as one of our black leaders. Um, we got to protect him at all costs. So I, uh, I'm still growing and I'm learning and I am really soaking in with what um, 
shit. I'm soaking in what was what was just given to us, all that information. Um, Dr. Francis Cress Wells, well seen. Um, I hope that you guys will enjoy, you know, um, listening to this and any other um, black people that I have to put a, put before you. And I hope that you learn and you grow on your own. And remember that we are all leaders. There's not a one of us who needs to be led. We don't need to go to Jesus to talk to God. We have a direct connection. Jesus was a prophet. We are to respect him. We are to listen to his teachings. To pay attention to what he told us because what came out of his mouth was from God. So with that being said, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting me. And um, I'll see you guys on the next one.